You're about to enter the world of on the cusp. The intense language used here requires that you put your brain in pause, place your watch next to the microwave, and experience a different level of mind diffusion. Now sit down, grab your coffee, buckle up, and enjoy what is about to happen and coming your way. What you are listening to is on the cusp. Welcome to On The Cusp. How are you today? We are live from Puebla, Mexico. I should actually be doing this episode in Spanish since I'm down here in Mexico. But anyway, traveling today or this week, I got another day before I go back to the US. But uh, this is not about me. This is about On The Cusp. So welcome. Thank you for listening. And here we go. Let's look at what we're going to do today. So let's look at Insider Monkey's report. This is a report about the biggest companies in the dental field. I'm going to skip the first two or the number 12 and number 11. Uh, there is a link if you'd like to read the whole report. So we'll provide that for you. Number 10 in, in this list is Austin Implant Company at 1.4 billion. That is a market cap. Korean company had no idea. I, I hardly ever hear from them. And obviously I'm not an implant, so I wouldn't know a lot about them anyway. Number number nine is Patterson Dental. Well, they're all dental. The market cap as of December is 2.82 million, billion, not million, billion, sorry. They're pretty large. Uh, that means that other companies, other distributors are bigger than them, I guess. Number eight is Invista Holdings with $5.4 billion. That's, uh, that's getting pretty high. Let's continue. And by the way, I'm just giving you a review of who these companies are. There's a lot of information from Insider Monkey about uh, this report here. So really, if you're interested, take a look at it. Number seven is number seven is Densply Sorona at 6.5 billion. Very interesting. I thought they were bigger than that. Well, following at number six is Henry Schein with 11 billion. So it's almost double the size of Sorona. What do you know? That is a big jump. Okay, now we're going on to the number number five, right? Here we go. At number five, we got Align Technology coming in at 14.6 billion. So that is a big jump from Henry Schein. And then we got Align. I guess Exocat now is part of this company. So that is a big jump for them. Very good. Very good job on, uh, with, uh, with Exocat. So let's go to number four, right? That's what we got. At number four, we got Strumman. And Strumman is at 19.4 billion. I always read that they were about 17 million, but what's 2, 2 billion, right? It doesn't matter at this point. It's 17 million. Number three is Zimmer. They are at 25.6 billion. So you can see there's also that 5 billion jump there between one company and the other. And then we got at, um, at number two, 
which is kind of weird. It's Colgate Palmolive Company. I guess we'll have to dig in deeper as to why they're considered a dental company. So I imagine this is more because of the personal hygiene segment. That's what's bringing in this company as a huge, huge company. And then coming in at number one is Procter & Gamble. And same thing. They're selling us their oral hygiene products. They got a lot of equipment out there also. So that is the list of the top five dental companies in the world. Okay, now let's jump to the next segment. Thank you very much. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to take you on a small trip to, to India specifically to the to the city or the suburb of Guru Gram, which is just south of um, New Delhi, I believe, something like that. I think it really doesn't matter, but, uh, but it is south, southeast, southwest of uh, New Delhi. In any case, so what's happening here is that there is this lady and her son. They both locked themselves up for three years to escape COVID. That's a really, a really long time. And so I guess the lady was very, very concerned with COVID. So they decided, you know what? Let's go ahead and lock ourselves up for three years and we're never coming back until COVID is done. And so it happened. And so the woman locked herself up for three years. The kid at the time they went in was around seven years old, because according to the news here, according to NDTV, by the time they came out, because the police went to do a welfare check because someone said, hey, we're concerned about this family, the kid was 10 years old. The kid's name is Moon Majin. And so when the police went inside, they saw a pile of clothes, they saw hair, because apparently... The mom was cutting her kid's hair and her own hair inside. There was garbage inside because they were not throwing the garbage out. And there were groceries all over the house. I mean, imagine that three years and you're not coming out at all for nothing. So what happened is that, of course, the mother was cutting their hair. The cooking was done through the induction instead of gas, instead of a gas stove in the house. The garbage was not thrown out. So everything for the past three years was inside of the house. Imagine the smell. I, I mean, it's fine if the mom wants to do that, but keeping her kid in there. Ew, oh my gosh. I mean, what did the kid do? Not go to school? Of course he didn't. They didn't see the sun for three years. They didn't see the night. They didn't go outside at all. It was locked up. The, the, the police had to break down the door to get inside. It seems like no one from the neighbors had any clue whether or not they were they were in the house. They just saw the house closed all the time. I mean, there's a lot of people in India and there's a lot of cars, there's a lot of traffic. I hope nothing happens to them in the next few years because was it worth it, right? And uh, it's it's got to be tough for the poor kid. Hopefully they'll have to, or hope, hopefully, yeah, they're going to have to take care of him mentally. I mean, what happens in those three years? Oof. Anyway, do you want to read the, um, the, 
the, the post yourself or the news to yourself, go ahead and check out the uh, description, the show notes, and uh, you'll have the link there. Pretty good stuff, huh? As I told you at the beginning, we're here in Puebla, Mexico. We're working together with our distributor, CLV of Mexico. So they took us out to dinner, and it's not nothing, nothing huge, right? But it's Mexican, typical Puebla uh, food. My coworker, his name is Guillermo. Now, he is from Argentina, not his fault, but he is from Argentina. So they took us out for dinner, and we had these, which I've never had before. Uh, they're, they're tacos, but they're not regular tacos. They're called Oriental tacos. And uh, they're very, very good tacos. They are Oriental, more like like Arabian tacos, but they have a Mexican flavor to it. Really good, really, really, really good tacos. And then, so that was the first night that we were here. Uh, the second night, we actually ended up going to another place and also typical food for the for the city Puebla and these we, we basically had a what they call a semita and it's a it's got meat but it's got a huge piece of bread that's like a burger I mean you could you could have said that it was a burger again it's got a Mexican flavor to it nothing like a burger it's more like two burgers in one it was excellent the taste, the flavor, everything that uh, that that came with it, it was so good because it was very, a very new taste. It even had a some type of plant. I've never had it before, and it's called papalo. No idea what it is. So when I go home, I'm going to take a look at it and see what this papalo is. Uh, but it was really good. And then for breakfast, of course, the same thing. You got to go eat Mexican food. Uh, we had some sweet bread before we even start breakfast. And we had um, coffee, but it's called Café de Olla, which is a, a, a coffee with a different type. It's not sugar. It's called piloncillo. They added to it. And then they mixed that with chocolate for this region here. Excellent coffee. I wouldn't recommend it every day, but man, it is a very, very good coffee. So if you're ever in Mexico, you come to Puebla, you or you come to any part of Mexico, because depending on the region, this café de olla, or coffee from the pot, they make it differently depending on the region. And so in some places, they told us that they even add hot sauce to the coffee. And it's something you got to try. I think that's up in the north, in the north of Mexico. In any case, let's go ahead and continue. I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd give you a little bit of what I'm experiencing here in Mexico. Tomorrow I'll be back in Chicago, and we'll see if we add something to it. But I guess not. I think we're going to finish this pretty soon. Okay, let's go to the next story because I don't want to keep you waiting. Let me take you to a different part of the world. And uh, that country that I'm going to take you to is back to the U.S., the good old USA. Uh, let's begin with, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the population because it's interesting how much has changed. I'll give you the uh, the link. 
I'll give you just the highlights that I think are important. They may not be important to you because I have no idea. But anyway, so in 2010, population of the U.S. was 309 million people. And then some, right? But I'm not going to go with the details of everything. You can look it up yourself. In 2021, it grew all the way up to 331 million. So basically, we grew almost, what, 20 million? That is, uh, that is a change of about 7% in population. So that is a lot. Uh, the link has a map. You can see how much has, it has grown or, or how big these counties, these counties have grown. Uh, and you can see that between 2020 and 2021. Texas had the largest growth with 4.3 million people. That's a lot. Illinois had the largest decline. I wonder why with 169,000 fewer people. I think they're leaving. They continue to live in uh, Illinois, which, by the way, I'm going up there tomorrow. Among, other, among the counties, Maricopa County in Arizona had the largest growth, which is 671,000. And then Baltimore City, Maryland, had the largest decline with 44,444 fewer residents. That's interesting. And then you can see all of the um, counties in the U.S. And, and it's interactive, so you can look at that. The population change over year has been about 1% between 2011 uh, to, uh, to 2021. Uh, and there's, there's also changes there. You can see those changes. And then something that is interesting is the racial makeup of, of the citizens here in the U.S., uh, you can see that the whites, and they call it here white non-Hispanic. I've never understood that. Population in 2020 in the U.S. was uh, 197,392. And I should actually say 2021 because those are the numbers. So we continue with the second uh, group, which is the Hispanics. They are at 62 million and a half in the U.S. And then they're closely followed by, by the Blacks, uh, which is 42 million. So there's a 20 million difference between the two uh, races. Then you got Asian and Hispanic is 19,600,000. 19, 19,600,000. Uh, and then uh, we continue with multiracial, American Indian, it's 2 million. And the native Hawaiian is half a million. That's basically what the, um, what the racial makeup is. In percentages, if we look at the percentages or the changes in the white non-Hispanic population was at 63.8 in 2010. In 2021, it went down to 59.3. And so the other groups, I guess you could say, had a gain, right? Hispanic was went from 16.4 to 18.9. And, well, I'm not guilty because my, my kids are older, so that wasn't me. Uh, it was the new parents, right, between 2010, 2010 and 2021, and the immigration, of course. But we're not going to get into that. The blacks, non-Hispanic... They went from 12.3 to 12.6, so it wasn't very, very large growth, hardly any growth for them. 
and then you look at the Asian non-Hispanic, even though it was a little bit more, they grew for, from 4.8 to 5.9, so almost a one full percentage. So <clears throat> that's basically what we're looking at right now. How old is the population? And that's also interesting, right? There's 18 million kids or babies zero to four. That's almost 19 million. There was actually a decline for babies. It declined 6.7% between 2010 and 2021. There was a growth in population on the 65 plus. Uh, there was, a, there was a, large, a large increase from about 40 million to 55 million. And then the other age groups that are missing, this is plus 65, the other age groups, uh, 35 to 49 is insignificant. Uh, 50 to 64 was 63 million. 20 to 34, 67 million. 5 to 19, 63 million. But it's, it has stayed steady over the past 10 years. Interesting. So I'm going to leave that there. Um, you guys go ahead and take a look at it. Now, please be aware, because I'm traveling, I got I to gotta put the, the episode out. I may not be able to put the links right away, but I will put them as we're moving forward in the next couple of days. I will get this done, and, and you can go ahead and look at all of this by yourself on your own. I, I just want to thank you for listening and staying with me until the end, if you have. Uh, if you have questions, so if you want to send us a message, you can send me a message to ramon.flores at msn.com. Or if you have a complaint, send it over to me, please. I will also begin to put an email contact for you to email us if you'd like to email us. Thank you very much. Have a great night because where I'm at, it's already night. And uh, we'll see you next time or we'll talk to you next time. Take care and bye-bye.